I'm Silver. And I'm Mira. And welcome to Matcha Mondays. We're two West Coast girls hoping to connect with our audience to discuss all things matcha, our favorite sneaky snacks, mental health, self-love, and of course, body positivity. And today we have a very special guest. Layton is with us today. Hi, my name's Layton. Happy to be here. So I'm a singer-songwriter in LA, and I also do influencer work on the side too. And then I'm also trying to be a mental health advocate for OCDs. Yeah, I did a degree in biology, but, you know, decided after I graduated that that's not what I wanted to do. And here I am today. And you have a new song. I do. I do. I'm so excited about it. I've been listening to it because it's such a chill vibe. It is a really good song. Mm -hmm. Isn't it chill? I was thinking that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to be like in your car, like driving down the coast. I don't know. That's my vision of it. I was making my husband listen to it with me in the car and we were driving on the the coastline and I was like, this is so chill. And he's like, I actually really like this. I'm like, it's so vibey, right? I thought it was so fun. Thank you. Wow, that made my day. No, of course. It's really good. So before we get into today's topic, let's talk about what we're drinking today. Layton, you want to go first? What are you having? I am drinking just water, but, you know, staying hydrated, <laughs> which is great. As you should. As you should. <laughs> we're having Yum Matcha, matcha tea, and we're very excited to announce that we are working with Yum Matcha today on the podcast. So Yum Matcha is a really cool and innovative new product. Um, They actually don't require you to have a whisk. So I think it's perfect for people who are just really getting into matcha and don't have all the supplies or if you're like us and you're always on the go. It's really simple. You just open the packet and dump it into whatever cup you need and then add a little bit of water and shake it as you go. It is ceremonial grade matcha. So it's top quality stuff and it's 100% organic. This product is super, super cool. We're just so excited that we get to work with this brand because like Silver has mentioned, we're very on-the-go girls. Yamacha is all about convenience and giving you the best quality in the shortest amount of time. And not only that, but it's sugar-free. They sweeten it using stevia erythritol, and those are both naturally occurring sweeteners found in plants. They also offer 15 different flavors of matcha, which is super cool. So I've been drinking their vanilla, and I've been a huge fan of that because I love vanilla anything. So vanilla plus matcha makes me very happy. And lastly, this product is also vegan and cruelty-free, which is incredibly important to the Yamacha brand. So we're very excited to be able to promote a product that also agrees with some of the ideas we have. So if you guys are interested in trying out Yamacha and all the many flavors that they offer, we do have a discount code for you running until May 15th. At checkout, just use code MATCHAMONDAYS and you get 10% off, which is pretty cool. So if you want to try out all that they have to offer, get on that quickly. So today we're going to be going along with our mindfulness topic for the month of March. And today we're going to be talking about being more mindful of your own as well as other people's mental health. So things that we're going to be talking about is just one being more aware that other people are struggling with things that you might not always be able to tell or see. Two, that you might not be able to tell when you're going through some mental health challenges and you just think this is normal when it's probably not normal for everybody. And we're going to talk a little bit about stigma that we've experienced as well as how mental health terminology is used a bit loosely or incorrectly in this day and age. Yeah, and just ways we've learned to cope and manage with our own mental health. Leighton, do you want to talk about your OCD 
an experience with that? Yeah, I can definitely talk about that. It's such a big topic, but Mm -hmm. I've had it my whole life. Some people get it, you know, when they're older. A lot of people have like onset when they're in their 20s, but I was diagnosed with it when I was five, I believe. That's so early. Um, Yeah, I had very visible compulsions, which is a lot of people in OCD have like rituals, Mm -hmm. you know, the stereotypical people like touching things and organizing things. Mm -hmm. So I had that very visibly when I was younger. So my parents were able to kind of realize something was happening, which I'm very thankful that they are very open to helping me because a lot of my friends' parents honestly don't believe in mental health as much and which is a surprising thing to like still have that be happening in 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've been in therapy since I was five. I went first to a therapist just for anxiety because we didn't know it was OCD. And they actually said that they were like, oh, she definitely has OCD and we're going to have her go to a different therapist. And I think it's great that they acknowledged that they weren't able to do that work Mm -hmm. because I think if I've stuck with that, I would have been in a completely different situation. Mm -hmm. So I switched to a different therapist who I've been with now for 15 years. Um, Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, still talk to her every week. Um, I've gotten rid of my compulsions overall. I was like told I wasn't going to be able to really live alone or go to college or anything. And I kind of did all of that. So I'm very, so like one of my biggest accomplishments for myself at least. And I'm, yeah, now independently living, but it's definitely still like a daily struggle. But there's just so many ways I could talk about it. I could go on about it forever, but I can delve more into it. I just can't believe they caught it with you so young. That's so lucky. I know. My mom said she even noticed it when I was like a baby because I just was like crying all the time and wanted to be picked up and there's signs before I could even walk but I'm really I'm actually very thankful to have had it earlier than like later I think it'd be so hard to have all these tools in my toolbox now that I use to Mm -hmm. cope with it and I've really like did that when I was young and was really like put into intense therapy for that um and I, I can't imagine having that right now and like just learning about that and dealing with that because I know that trauma can have it be an onset in your yeah. 20s but it's just it's a weird like blessing in a weird way because if I am gonna have it I'm glad that I got it when I was earlier because mm-hmm. it's definitely more difficult when you're older yeah because it's usually like 18 to 25 when like mental health challenges like pop up if you're gonna have them yeah you grew up you are just building your identity as a teen and then going into adulthood and then you have to relearn everything yeah you have to like start all over Mm -hmm. feel blessed that I was able to catch it or have my parents catch it and be willing to see that that's a real issue and put me in therapy I've had like OCD behaviors for years and years and years but Mm -hmm. I also like have an anxiety disorder so they kept saying like anxiety disorder with OCD behavior and Mm -hmm. my last therapist before the current one I have she kept saying like have you been tested for OCD because a lot of the things you do and like watching you right now I'm seeing some behaviors and just how you talk about things she's like have you ever been tested and I was like no I don't have that because I work with OCD all the time and it presents itself so differently by person. And so for me, I was like, no, I definitely don't have OCD. Like, yeah, I'm just a bit anxious Mm -hmm. and I do certain things, but no, I don't think I have it. And then my recent therapist, I did EMDR trauma therapy with her and she said the loop I had in my head and how I was thinking about my traumas was OCD behavior. And then other things I did, like I'm obsessed with time and I check the time all the time and I calculate how many minutes and whatever. And I do all Mm -hmm. these little things that I just thought were normal and then I 
talk about with a therapist and she's like that's not normal like time yeah (laughs) she's like it's really time consuming and debilitating for you like you wake up in the middle of the night anxious about these things that's crazy that you like just thought I mean obviously yes like thinking that's normal most people think it's normal until they realize oh my god this is not normal Mm -hmm. um that's awesome that they were able to catch it though and you can kind of work with it now Mm -hmm. and Do you feel like calmer knowing that there's like a reasoning behind it or do you feel kind of overwhelmed by that? Um, At first I was just kept saying like, no, 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 it's fine. So then she was like, okay, we'll do an experiment then for the next week until the next time I see you, you're not allowed to check the time. She's like, how does that make you feel? And I'm like, well, how am I supposed to know when I'm supposed to do things? She's like, okay, set alarms and timers, but don't check the time. Like, just go by the timers. And so I started doing them, and I would check the timers. I would just check how many minutes I had left and everything. So I was like, okay, there is obviously an issue here. And she's like, I challenge you to not check the doors, like, in the middle of the night. Well, like, trust that you did it. Trust that your husband did it. Don't worry. And I would be sitting in bed and not being able to sleep because I'm like, I just, what if... I just one window, one door. Like, what if I just did this? And I would have to. So I was like, okay, I guess I do have a little bit of an issue. And Mm -hmm. now that I know, because for a lot of people, yeah, like having a diagnosis is debilitating for them. And it Mm -hmm. can trigger more anxiety and more of these behaviors. But more often than not, it's very like validating. I don't feel weird anymore. I know that this because I have an issue. So Mm -hmm. I'm not like embarrassed by it. I'm just this is what I have to do. This is a challenge that I have to work through. And that's it. And I'm kind of curious what your experience has been with this. Because for me personally, growing up, I remember a lot of kids would joke around and they would always say, oh, like, I do X, Y, and Z. I must have OCD. Like, oh, you're so OCD because you color code or whatever. Like, I just remember hearing this a lot in school. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, you know, like, people really loosely use this term. And I wonder, is that one, something you've experienced? And two, like, have you experienced any stigma that's come? Because, I mean, you've been diagnosed at such a young age, especially. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you went 15, 16 years without having this diagnosis. Like, you've known for a really long time. So have you experienced any stigma? And have you witnessed the same things I've seen? Or has your experience been different? That's a great question. Yes. I have gotten, I think people stereotypically think of OCD as washing your hands and organization. And people are like, I'm so OCD and they think of it as kind of a positive thing. Like, oh, that's so OCD of you. And they're like organizing something. Yeah. Um, I've never had the organization OCD. So I am I think it's funny sometimes for people to be like that because it just can range from every person how it manifests or what your obsession or OCD thing is at that moment. I think a lot of people don't understand it at all. They just literally think it's just washing your hands and mm-hmm. being a clean freak. That is what 90% of people that I have encountered think of it as. And as I go about my life and I get more in depth. I like to like educate people and be like, you're literally completely off. Some people do have that 100%. Like that's Mm -hmm. totally true. But it's not like something you just say to validate like cleaning or something. And it's not like a fun, cute, like little like I'm so OCD and I have color coding because it's not cute really. Mm -mm. It's like hard and a lot of work. Just saying something like that just completely takes away from the struggles that come with the actual diagnosis. Like if you just joke about it, like someone Mm -hmm. just says, oh, haha, you're so OCD like that just completely invalidates the whole struggle that comes with actually having that diagnosis itself yeah no I totally agree and I I've been thinking about this recently where Mm -hmm. I definitely use a lot of humor for like my OCD and like trauma that I've gone through it's definitely a way I do it I make jokes all the time and I think it's totally fine for the person that is going through 
or has it to joke about it. But it's very different when someone that doesn't have it makes those comments or makes those jokes because it's like taking away from that experience of the other person. And I think that can go for a lot of situations and a lot of mental health issues. For a while, depression almost seemed like fad, like people wanted Mm. to be depressed, which was it's a very weird thing. And I think that happened a little bit with OCD too, Um, not wanting it, but like thinking it was cool to like be super organized and just saying if you had an organization thing, you were super OCD and having that be like something that defined you, which is the very interesting and weird perspective. So for people who don't know what OCD is truly, right, what would you tell them? Like, how would you explain it to someone? Like, say I had zero idea what you were going through. Like, how would you describe it? So I've had a lot of thoughts about how to describe this because I feel like it's such a broad thing. Basically, I view it as thoughts that just get stuck in a loop. So a lot of people have like a garbage can of thoughts. So you you have a thought come in, you filter it out, and the thoughts just go through. You have like a million thoughts a day, right? right. But for a person with OCD, it's like a way longer system where the thought comes in, you analyze it, you analyze it five more times, you think about it, and you keep thinking about it. You know, it just doesn't just float by. It's something that's like stuck on repeat, kind of like a habituation oh, yeah. thing that's constantly, constantly running in your mind. And you know that compulsions don't make logical sense which is why it's so frustrating when you do do them sometimes is mm-hmm. because you know that touching a table isn't going to make you not have the flu or something mm-hmm. you know that and it's annoying and you're like oh why am I doing this but you're doing it to just have that just right feeling mm-hmm. just like to get that anxiety right. kind of right. out of the way it's a hard thing to describe because I think it's so broad and it just depends on the person and the how bad you have it or like the scale you have it but I would kind of define it as some like rumination to an extreme and not being able to let thoughts go that you know you normally could let go but yeah it's so person dependent but I feel like if someone truly does experience like symptoms of OCD or have OCD I think the best thing for people when they're talking to someone with OCD say like how can I support you with this like do I just let this happen do I remind you like do I interrupt that loop what do you want me to do because It's so person dependent. So you can't really just assume, okay, if they're really having troubles with their compulsions, if they're not able to satisfy that compulsion at the time, how can that person next to you or friend or family member or anything like support that person? Because it's going to be different for every single person. That's absolutely super true. You know, when I was younger, I would have like a list of rules. So I would have each day I would have like two hours of exposure work. Mm -hmm. And my mom, I would make a list of things and I would not be allowed to do like my rituals for two hours. And I would read it on a scale of one to 10. And then, you know, you go through that, you ride the wave, as they said, like you're going to go up and then you're going to come down Mm -hmm. and you accept that whatever the your fear could happen and you kind of say so what and you accept it yeah so it's really hard to do and like not doing those rituals it's super hard because you know it's not true but it feels so much in your body like it is true so it's a very weird thing to like know but like have such an intense feeling. Mm -hmm. And that's why when I was really younger, I I remember so vividly learning facts, not feelings, just when I'm in those moments, because you check facts, like, is it a fact that if I touch a crack that my mom is going to pass away? Absolutely not. But the feeling is 100% there. So the feelings are so valid and so true, but not a fact. So I kind of learned to do that as like one of my coping things when I was younger. And granted, it's changed as I've gotten older. But I vividly remember having that be like one of my first very important 
rules of OCD living. (laughs) Yeah, I think the playing out the, yeah, what ifs is important. Mm -hmm. Like for me too, I have this thing when I'm sitting in a restaurant, I think a car is going to come through the window. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. when I'm sitting there, I'll like think about it. I'm like, I don't want to sit near the window because I'm afraid that the car is going to come through the window, even though you're super far away from the road. But I'm like, something's going to come through the window or I'll be sitting in my favorite spot on the couch and like I'm surrounded by two windows and I think Mm -hmm. the window's gonna blow out and then I'm gonna get sucked out the window and it's just Mm -hmm. this awful feeling and you're sitting there like just try to relax like this is your favorite spot like you're just sitting down to have a meal in a restaurant this isn't gonna happen and then I think the yeah what if and is this factual like how how frequently do windows just suck out of the (laughs) like an airplane suck you out yeah like how often does that happen it's like hopefully never so I'm like sitting there I'm like that doesn't happen and like you kind of have to do some self-soothing fact check yourself it's- I know isn't it a weird way to think it's like yeah. it's like you kind of go that situation and you analyze it and you're like it's, it's out of your control so mm-hmm. why are you worrying about mm-hmm. it it's kind of like the very bottom bottom line like yeah kind of analyze it to the very core it's so hard to do though but that is kind of how you gotta go about it props to you for the fact that you've been dealing with this since you were five that's incredible and you graduated school and you basically basically prove them wrong like that's so incredible like they said you couldn't thank you and like I think you deserve a round of applause so I'm giving it to you right <laughs> now. <laughs> thank you well, that means a lot thank you yeah I'm I'm proud of myself for that it's, it's a lot of work but I think there's so many people dealing with it too like other things yeah. but I am yeah that's definitely something I remember vividly thinking when I was younger I wrote in my journal that I was going to go out of state for college because I knew that it was going to be really 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 hard for me mm-hmm. yeah. um, and I was like I'm going to get to a point where I can do that and I have it written in my journal since I was five every year and like I can go back and look at it which is a cool thing to do and be like wow look at I actually did it it's so so cool to see like especially if you do keep track like that like you've been writing since you were five it's so awesome that you're able to look back on what you've wanted for yourself for so long and then the fact that you actually made it happen yeah it's really cool to look back and like see all the progress because I have from not being able to really walk to like being able to pretty much independently live, which is mm-hmm. cool. Leighton, you were really lucky to have like parents who were very accepting of that because as you said, like a lot of families aren't. And I feel mm-hmm. like it's a very cultural thing. So Mira, like I know you've had some experience with that, like with your own mental health challenges. I haven't been diagnosed with anything in years because I'm like too scared to go back and get diagnosed again. But the last time I went and actually officially got diagnosed, they gave me a GADNM. Yeah, major depressive disorder. Yeah, yeah. So that's what they gave me. So I have known from like the age of 10 that I've had anxiety. Like I've known for the longest time. When I was a kid, I would have the worst anxiety. I would worry about everything. I would ask like too many questions in class. I would talk way too much, but it was like all very anxious behaviors. Um, But I remember I like had a conversation with my parents. I was like, hey, like I really think I have anxiety. Like I think I have an an actual disorder where I have anxiety. And (laughs) I remember this very vividly. It's a little triggering, but they looked at me and they're like, so you want to see a shrink? And I was like, mm-hmm. well, I need help. Like, this isn't normal. I guess in, in a way, I was a little unlucky with the way my parents were in that they weren't 
supportive in letting me have those kinds of resources. So I just had to find a way to cope until honestly, I was 22. I think that's the first time I actually went and got no wow. 21 is when I went and got diagnosed officially with an anxiety disorder. And I hope this for like the next generation that mental illness is completely accepted. And mm-hmm. if somebody has a child and they literally come to you and say, hey, like, I think I actually have an actual illness, you go and help and get them help, you know, not <laughs> sit and patronize them, which unfortunately, happened to me but it's fine like I'm okay now but yeah definitely had a different experience in that sense where it was one of those things where it's like I knew I had an actual disorder or an illness but I was like I can't get the necessary help that I need right now so I'm just gonna have to figure it out until I am allowed to finally get those resources Mm -hmm. so wow good stuff (laughs) that is a that's props to you for oh thank you (laughs) just pushing through no that's hard that's really hard I yeah that's a lot of stress and I have a lot of friends that have played like similar situations and a lot of it is cultural right now I currently stay with my grandparents and my aunt is in the area as well and they're all pretty accepting about it like I've told them I've been very upfront with them and like especially in the South Asian environment usually therapy is not accepted but I'm Mm -hmm. very blessed that my extended family is very supportive. Like my aunt, like will call me every other day and she's like, Hey, like, have you scheduled therapy yet? Like, are you going to go see a therapist soon? And I'm like, yeah, like I'm, I'm planning on it. So like, it's nice that they actually are there for me in that sense. Cause I didn't Mm -hmm. have that growing up. Definitely cultural for sure. But I think I lucked out with my extended family. Glad you have that support. Like that's so important. It's so Mm -hmm. important to have support. It's so hard when you don't, it's really hard. I think people don't realize too, but like, it makes me think like if I had these resources when I was younger, I feel like I would have been ahead in a lot of stuff. Now I'm at this point where I never had these resources. So, so much has built up over a course of years and years and years. And I feel like if I was able to take care of this when I was younger, I would have had better tools and coping mechanisms in the future. So now it's like, damn, I have so much stuff to do. I know. (laughs) Yeah. And you had to spend so much of your time to like self advocating. So it's Mm -hmm. not even like, like you could have that time where you're just supported and getting resources you're like no I have a problem I really thought I was going crazy after a certain point I remember like I was constantly told you're fine you're normal and I was like then what's wrong with me I'm like why do I feel like I'm gonna throw up every day why can't I breathe sometimes like why can't I like like literally just feel okay I'm like what's going on they're like oh it's all in your head and I'm like I don't think that's true (laughs) no No. good for you for advocating though because that's it's hard to to have that and have no support and I mean I can't I can't imagine but I do know the feeling of like feeling you're gonna throw up all the time and that kind of thing yeah so (laughs) it's really fun I highly recommend um (laughs) (laughs) it's a weird thing because you feel like I feel like a lot of these mental health issues you feel so isolated and alone like I felt so alone for a really long time one time my parents tried to send me to like a OCD camp and I was like this is not happening (laughs) because one person's little tick like triggered the other person and I was like, wow, we look like we're in a circus. I cannot yeah, do this. I don't feel like that. <laughs> really yeah. weird. And I was like, um, this is not it for me. Yeah. But it's weird because you do it is a very like it's a hard thing to relate to but it is actually relatively common too so I totally relate to that feeling it is super nice it's I met my first friend with OCD this year and it was great I've had a great time being able to talk about it um because I haven't really met anyone else that's had it kind of like me it's great when you find someone who has the exact same thing as you because then you have someone who really does understand yeah for real. And I think the thing too is, if I think if you were looked at the three of us right now, you wouldn't think like, oh, 
she has OCD, like she has anxiety, she has depression. Like you wouldn't think that. So mm-hmm. then there's certain times and like I've we been. We make it look good. We make anxiety we make look, look good. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whenever Mira and I, we've had like two altercations in our whole friendship. But when it happens, it's such a different environment because she gets it. And Mm -hmm. she understands and like she'll say to me like silver I think we should like take a second FaceTime like if it's over text I'm the worst because I always sound like so cold. Text is so hard to like interpret. I have to teach her how to text me. I'm like this is is how you text just me. Yeah. If you write in a complete sentence I'm like why did I do why are you upset? I know (laughs) but that's why like it's so important to have like supportive friendships and like they don't need to have anxiety and they don't need to like fully understand but just being able to communicate with that friend if I start acting like this this is why it's not because I hate you or I'm really mad I'm just so afraid right now and this is my response yeah and if you can just as a person who has a mental health challenge unfortunately until like the world is butterflies and rainbows it's your responsibility Mm -hmm. to communicate that with people that like when I say this this is probably why so we've gone over our experiences and stigmas that we've experienced with our different mental health challenges. But Mira, did you want to talk about some coping strategies and ways that you would feel supported by your friends and family? For me personally, I'll address the depression portion of what I've undergone when I was younger. I'm definitely better now for sure. I definitely have anxiety. I don't think that's ever going away. The best thing, and like I know people hear this all the time, so they're probably sick of hearing it, but literally if you have the means, go to therapy. Try out whatever therapist you can get your hands on, even if it doesn't work the first time. And this is something I've even experienced. It sucks when you go to a therapist and they aren't a good match for you because you feel so let down. You feel like I did everything I could and I can't even find the right therapist for myself. Like, how am I ever going to get better? And I think the biggest thing is you have to probably go through multiple therapists before you find the right one. And it happens to everyone. So don't feel alone if that happens, especially for me. And I'm going to be honest, that's part of the reason why I am reluctant to go back to therapy even now, because now that I've moved to a new area, it's like I have to start all over again. I have to find a new person. And it sucks having to reopen all of those wounds that you've already had to do with somebody else and it's like now I have to do it again yeah that's definitely something I want to highlight is if you have the means to go to therapy but don't blame yourself if the therapist isn't a good match for you just keep trying getting a good support system for sure if you were like me and you didn't have a support system I just highly recommend doing whatever you can to just to survive to survive yeah Yeah, exactly And then I was really lucky that I just was able to find a strength in myself to cut off everyone that was toxic. And it's just funny, like one door closes, another one opens. I ended up meeting, like becoming so close with Silver. Mm -hmm. And that was like one of my greatest friendships. And I attribute so much of my positive evolution because of the fact that she and I are friends. Because I just felt so validated. Like she told me like everything I was feeling was normal because the people that I was surrounded with would tell me I was crazy. I don't think I'm crazy for thinking the way I do and believing the things I believe in. And I talked to Silver and she's like, you're not crazy. That's normal. These people are crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you, know, you for cutting out those people. It's so hard to cut off people. Oh my Like God, that kind so of toxic hard. stuff. It's hard. Yeah, that for sure. So yeah, if you are like in a similar situation as me, definitely therapy and having a good um, circle around you. And if you don't have that, because I did it, do what you can to survive, find ways to cope. 
yeah, definitely just know, know your worth and know your value and don't let anyone take that away from you. Hands down. True. Well said. And that's snap you to you. I can't snap, but snap I can't to snap, you. this is all I got. So those are my kind of coping mechanisms for depression. But what about you, Leighton? Do you want to talk about how you've coped with OCD? Yeah, totally. Um, I'm very, very lucky and thankful to have had a therapist and stay with that same therapist for like the past 15 years. Super rare, really lucked out on that. But definitely therapy is definitely what like changed my life at least in learning how to cope and skills to like calm myself down in situations. And as I say, like tools in my toolbox, um, super, super helpful. Also, for me at least, I needed medication and that has been really helpful for me. And I know it definitely depends on, so a lot of people don't need it, but for me, it was, it's a hard process with medicine too, and like finding the right Absolutely. one. And I just did that again. Um, I had to go home for about three months, two months ago, because I, my medicine poisoned me actually, yeah. that I was on for 16 years. Yeah. And I got serotonin syndrome, which was really, really, really hard. So I've been, this past week, my parents came and we I switched my medicine to a new one actually, which is exciting because I haven't felt like relief in a really long time. And I, they did an actual test on me and they saw like how low my serotonin was, which is, I thought was fascinating because you could physically see mm-hmm. where it was. I mean, I'm definitely feeling it. This is like the past three days is when I've actually felt a relief. And I feel like I've been able to take a breath for the first time in like that's, four months. That's really good yeah, because sometimes really, it can really. take like up to two months to have that feeling. Yeah. So yes. that's really good. Um, also, I have learned like a lot of like calming techniques throughout my therapy that have been super helpful like deep breathing seriously is so helpful when your heart rate is going crazy Mm -hmm. the in to out for situation is ingrained in my head and you know sitting down and drinking water having something to fixate on when you're in those moments Hmm. has really been helpful for me to like kind of put things in perspective and knowing logically that even though you know you're logically not in danger, but the feelings are just so intense. Mm-hmm. You just that space to let yourself work through it. And sometimes that means you're going to have a panic attack, which is something hard to accept. And yeah. I'm working on doing that, um, accepting like feeling terrible and knowing that I'm still going to be okay. Because I felt like I was literally dying. I wanted to like call the hospital mm-hmm. and then realizing, oh, this is recognizing that this is something that is not actually a fear thing, but mm-hmm. I can totally feel that. Healthy mind, healthy body, exercise for me, getting outside and walking around can like clear my mind so much. Mm-hmm. It's definitely something ingrained in me is going on like walks and being able to be like, oh, I'm not in this one room stuck in my thoughts. That's been helpful as well as like a routine. Getting up in the morning at the same time for me has been a game changer. I'm still working on that and having a routine of doing that, maybe journaling, going outside and then starting your day because I usually wake up pretty anxious just I don't know. My body just does that. I wake yeah, up pretty too. much feeling like I'm dying. Yeah. Oh, like, I okay. Feel, I feel like start the day. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like heart palpitations. Yeah. I'm like, this is the day that I will be passing away. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. And it's hard when your anxiety is so bad in the morning to have a good day when it mm-hmm. starts off so hard. So getting yourself out of that mindset for me has been like really, really helpful. It's like forcing myself to go on a walk, pulling myself out of that. You still being in it and just like making myself do things and not just sit in my room, which is what I would want to do because mm-hmm. it's easier to be a hermit and sit in my thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. I really think it's great that you're like, one, I just want to say like, thank you for being open enough to talk to us about this because a lot of people aren't comfortable, which is totally fine, but it's just so nice to see like you want to talk about this. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you. Yeah. And same with you guys. I think it's, I think I really, I mean, I've truly been in therapy since I was like four, so I'm pretty prepped for it. Yeah. With the mental stigma, it's hard to like be comfortable telling people because it's like, sure, you can tell someone, but then the question is, are they going to respect it? And are they going to process it in a way that's going to make you feel safe? Yeah. Sometimes people just be like, so true. Okay. Well, you're crazy. Goodbye. Like, yeah. And I feel like that's why a lot of my close girlfriends who had trauma, when they have new partners, they unload everything onto them because mm-hmm. they're like, this is what you're signing up for. And like, I need to know now if you're in yeah. for this or if you're not you're like able to handle it. Yeah. yeah, which I can understand because I know that even sometimes the friendships I have, there's a lot going on with these people. And I'm like, I'm here to handle it. I'm here with you. But sometimes Mm -hmm. it's too much. And like, you need to both have those healthy boundaries where you can say like, today, I'm not able to handle this. And it's not a reflection on you or how much I love or care for you. It's just because I cannot support you because I need to support myself right now and point them in the direction of someone who or somewhere that they can be supported. But that you can't just dismiss people and say that they're too much just because you don't get it or it's scary or weird. They're human beings. You can't just dismiss them like that. You tell people like us who already have mental illness, we will carry that for a long time. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of stuff like that will trigger our negative pathways. That's the kind of stuff you hear echoing in the back of your head constantly. Yeah, so for me, it's really difficult for me to accept help. And I always thought because I work in the field that I should know exactly what to do and I should not feel this way. And I would go to work and we would, if we would lose a client, especially since COVID, we've lost three so far. And there was a day where I just was talking to my coworker and I broke down and I was like, I can't believe that we're losing so many people and I feel completely pointless and that I can't do anything right. And she's like, I feel the same way. And I was so shocked and I was like, oh, okay. So it's okay that even though I work in mental health and I'm supposed to have my shit together, that I'm allowed to feel this way. And she's like, yes. She's like, I feel like this way all the time. I've realized like asking for help and admitting that you need it is one of the best things I've ever learned because I didn't really go to anyone for help because I was the person everyone comes to for help. And that was my role. Mm -hmm. And when I was talking to my therapist, she said, so what have you told your supports to do to support you? And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, I don't do that. I don't ask for help. I don't need help. I found that so shocking. I can't just all be you. Yeah, because I was so... Layton, you don't know. But my boyfriend, boyfriend, my husband and I did long distance for six years. I know. He's been demoted. Wow. Yeah. So I was on my own for a very long time. As much as he was amazing support for me, I was so used to dealing with things on my own because of time differences and just because he was not always accessible. And I only could Mm -hmm. talk to him on the phone or Skype for like five months on end. And then I'd see him for two weeks and then another five months. Yeah. So like I was so used to not relying on him because not by his fault at all, but like he could not be there all the time for me. I had to relearn and how to 
teach him pretty much how to support me. And especially when I'm dissociating, when I'm just the two of us at home, I might not notice it. And like teaching Mm -hmm. him how to notice when I'm about to have a panic attack or when I am anxious or when I'm dissociating was one of the best things that I've ever done because I don't even notice it sometimes. Like it's just nice. And I think as soon as you recognize what challenges you face and Mm -hmm. like your toolbox, like with your friends and family and teach them how to support you because mental health is not super common like unless you have been dealing with it like your whole life or it's more recent and you're just learning about it yourself like it's your job and your responsibility sometimes to advocate for yourself and teach other people how to support you yeah that's such an important tool Mm -hmm. it's such an important tool asking for help is so it can be so hard but so meaningful it's so much easier to do nothing it's so much easier so much easier oh my god it's so much easier to just wallow and just sit and be sad or be anxious yeah totally much easier but but pull yourself out of that mm -hmm. is like the tough part it does get easier the more you practice these things since i think it was since last year pretty much when i really started taking my therapy really seriously and using cbd to help me and using all the supports that i can I feel so much better. It's weird. And now I'm learning that it's okay to feel okay. And that's a whole new challenge that I'm facing. That's a very good point too. It's, it is weird when you like go through those times and you do feel okay. And you're so used to feeling not okay. And you're like, mm-hmm. is this real? Like, is this actually yeah. something I'm going to be, I'm okay. It's okay to be okay. It's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. Both ways. I do think it is, you can have a, such a good life in a great fulfilling happy life even with these mental illnesses it's just you have to put the work in and be willing to it takes a lot of work and it's a lot of strength and there's a lot of mental perseverance but I'm really happy overall and I think you guys are like great examples too um it takes a lot of work and you're not gonna always be okay but there's so much light and there's so much knowledge that's coming out now too and people are finally being able to talk and it's not being something that's so hidden and taboo yeah totally Well, I think that wraps up today's episode. I think that this is a great place to put a little stop into our conversation. But Leighton, thank you so much for coming to our podcast today. We're so glad we got to have you and have this conversation. Thank you guys so much for having me. I loved this. It was a great conversation. You guys are great. And I'm so excited to see where this podcast goes. Thank you. Thank you. We wanted to thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. And obviously, I thank you so much, Leighton, for joining us. And if you're out there and you're a listener and you are of Asian, whether that's South or East descent, we just want to say that we're here with you. We're both feeling it. And we hope that you're getting support and we can provide you with some resources. But just stay safe, take care of yourselves, Mm -hmm. and stop Asian hate. We'll also have a little highlight on our Instagram page that just houses some resources that if you are, you know, struggling through the same issues as we are, if you want to be a part of the movement, if you want to help, there's volunteer organizations, there's a lot of things you can do. So we're going to have a little highlight on our Instagram page. You can check that out if you want to know where to start. Um, We're very active on our Instagram if you want to leave us any comments or suggestions for future episodes. And if you guys want to give us a little follow, we're on Instagram at Matcha Mondays Podcast. And my personal is at Mira Kiara, which is also my YouTube channel. And Silver has the sustainable art business, which is at Silver Boomer Gallery. Um, My Instagram is Lay, L-A-Y underscore Hegard, H-E-E-G-A-A-R-D. And you can find my music, just type in Leighton on Spotify or anywhere you want to look. And my TikTok is Leighton Keyguard. Pretty cringy, but you should definitely watch. It's a fun time. <laughs>
Um, you also have a single that's out now. I do. Um, which I'm very excited for everyone to hear. Yes, I'm so excited. Check it out if you want, called Cherry Chapstick um, and Paper Jet. Super proud of these ones, so you should all check it out. I would love to hear what you think. So thank you. So we're going to say goodbyes here, but stay tuned to hear a little preview of Cherry Chapstick at the end. And we hope you guys have a great Matcha Monday. Have a great Matcha Monday. Thank you. Small things stuck out We snuck out Smoking on the roof And then you fell off the ladder Couldn't hold you like I did You blame the smoking Take me home.